Hello, and welcome to episode 231 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for... Super Mechanoids Attack Recruits Through Space! Ooh, it's true. Yes, it's a Gundam-related acronym. So, my name is Radiger Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor, and your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster! Correct. (laughs) So, we continue to have no news and no comics. Yeah. So we're going to jump straight into your quiz. Okay, I'm okay. ready. So this week, we are go- I'm going to be quizzing you about Gundam trivia, specifically oh Universal boy. Century events, prominent events, Gundam trivia. Oh boy, so people. Gundam history, just... basically. Yes, and we'll talk more about what Gundam is in a second. Okay. After, after this, which I guess doesn't make much sense. That doesn't but make here, much sense, but here we, we are. probably okay. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> we do it your way, Derek. Okay. The notes are sacrosanct. I see. All right. Sacrosanct notes are... Snarts? Revered. Are you trying to say snarts? Revered. Through. through. It's not as easy as it seems, tough guy. <laughs> You've been doing it 230, 230 episodes here and there. You've done it a grand total of one episode in a row now. So don't you? go getting on your... <laughs> don't you make me put up one of those... Uh... High acronym horse or whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> number, that brings up an image. Number one. Mm. The Xeon plan to drop a colony on Earth in the early days of the One Year War. Which time? Was, was call- that's why I said in the early days of the One Year War. <laughs> was called Operation Sydney, Operation Dublin, Operation Outback, or Operation British. Um, in the One Year War? Operation Outback. No, it was Operation British. Confusingly titled because they were dropping the colony on Sydney. Yeah. Maybe they missed. I don't know. (laughs) All right. The private corporation responsible for the design and construction of many many Federation and later AUG weapons and mobile suits is named Jupiter Electronics, Anaheim Electronics, Luna Electronics, or Von Braun Electronics. I think it's Anaheim. Yes, it is Anaheim. Yes. That comes up in just about every episode of every show. Someone says the word Anaheim. Yeah, you're asking me a a quiz about names. I I need something to have fierce repetition for me to have a shot. All right. Number three. Mm. Bright Noah's two children are named Hathaway and Kika, Letts and Kika, Chamin and Katz, or Hathaway and Chamin? Hathaway and Chamin. Correct. Would you have gotten that right if we hadn't watched that movie last night? Yes, I would have. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number four. The gravitationally stable points in space where the colonies are located are called Laplace points, Lala points, Lagrange points, or Londo points. Oh, no. Lagrange, I think. Yes, Lagrange points. Sweet. All right. That's based in science. Correct. Number five. Mm -hmm. AUG stands for Anti-Earth Sphere Unity Group, Anti-Earth Unification Garrison, Anti-Earth Universe Group, or Anti-Earth Union Group? Um, I don't know. Oh, boy, let's take another shot at seeing how Julia guesses. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I think it is Anti-Earth Unification Garrison. No, Anti-Earth Union Group. Oh, okay. So you got one, two, three. I got three out of five. Three out of five. I'll be honest. Not bad. Eh, could have been worse. So since we have so few shows, although a couple of our shows are coming back in another couple of weeks, mm-hmm. some of the CW shows are returning, so we'll have more shows to talk about. But in the meantime... For all of like five seconds before they've been, you know... Well, I think some of them have their full seasons completed. And that's good. That's like the, which means like six or seven episodes that they'll probably air pretty much 
as continuously they have, because yeah. they're already behind their planned season wrap-ups at this point. Um, so yeah, we'll have a fair amount of shows. But in the in the meantime, since we've been not reading any comics or really watching very many shows, we've been uh, watching Mobile Suit Gundam mm-hmm. and its associated spin-offs and everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought for the next couple of weeks, in addition to talking about our regular shows, we could uh, have a Gund- Gund- into Gundam. Gundam Corner. Where Gundam we, Corner? Where we uh, talk should we about... Should we save that for the end or should we talk about it now? Because people might, no, let's might talk, let's... not want to spoil shows well, and so they leave the shows tough, until the end. Tough. You get, he gets everything or nothing with us. You, okay. get, you listen to every second of our show. Oh, no. Or <laughs> I will hunt you down. All right. Um, so at this point, we've watched the uh, compilation movies of the original series. Uh-huh. We've watched all of the sequel series Zeta Gundam. We've watched all of Gundam Double Zeta. We've watched the uh, big climactic movie Shars Counterattack, which we watched just last night. Yep. And we've started dipping into some of the side stories, um, most... Um, well, most specifically, the uh, Gundam 0083 Stardust Memory, mm-hmm. which is sort of an uh, interquel, as, it, as some people call it, between the original series and Zeta. Yep. So, you know, obviously that's way too much to talk about in one week. But what are some of the what are some of your overall thoughts on the the franchise and its particular strengths? And I don't mind. Um, so I, I appreciate the the history lesson that I get from watching the earlier animations because it took a lot of work to just make the animations as it was and I'm not gonna you know look down my nose at it just because right now with computers and technology pushing things along the standard of animation 2d animation is just way higher than it was when this show originally was made but it's really really good um from the get-go I like the I like the story I the one knock I don't like is that the story seems to repeat, but I think that's the tragedy of the lesson that we're meant to learn is that history repeats itself and the people, humanity, you know, are destined to make the same mistakes in some cases. You mean just more specifically that basically Zeon keeps coming back? Is that is that what Zeon you mean by... Zeon keeps coming back. No, I mean, Cause the in Zeta, ideology... Because Zeta was pretty different, right? Like Zeta, they were fighting against a corrupt faction of, yeah. of what used to be yeah. the good guys. yeah. And then in then in Double Zeta, you know, it was Zeon again. And then in yeah, Char's exactly. Counterattack, it was Zeon again. And yeah. in Stardust Memory, it's Zeon again. No, I'm talking about the path of the characters. I'm talking about the fact oh, that certain, sometimes yeah. certain things kind it's of... It's like the George Lucas thing. Certain, certain, but they do, they're doing that. They do that. In some cases, it's very intentionally. In other... Yes, it, it, I just... Like to yeah. echo itself. And in other cases, I think it's more like just a trope. There's certain anime yeah, tropes, I exactly. think, that maybe you haven't been exposed to as much as, as I have. I'm not but. a fan of the way women get objectif- um, objectified or um, misrepresented, like being, I don't know, some lovesick puppies that I can't really it's be necessarily, fully effectual. necessarily that they get objectified, just that they're, it's it's not, yeah, I think it's, it's sort of, um, it, it's a weird period in like sexual politics in Japan, yeah. which they were maybe a little bit behind. The Western world, where I feel like they were at the point in the 80s where we kind of were in the maybe the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. where they accepted that women could do the same things that men do. But it's kind of like some, of the, stu- some, the kind of, some of the stuff you yeah. used to see in like Star Trek, the original series, where mm-hmm. yes, Uhura was on the bridge, but the fact that she was a woman mm-hmm. or the fact that that, um, you know, Nurse Chapel or Yeoman Rand, they could do the, all the, the jobs that men did. But the fact that they were a woman mm-hmm. and a woman doing a man's job would come up frequently Mm -hmm. and the fact that and their their womanly attitudes and instincts and predilections would sometimes overpower their professionalism you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. 
So it's sort of like we, we're past the point where like a women's places in the home, but we're not yet to the point like the Battlestar Galactica's, you know, later Star Trek thing where it's completely egalitarian and there's absolutely no distinction between yep. the roles of the of the genders. We're definitely not there not there yet in mid eighties Japan. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I think but I I think there's been a lot of really well written female characters and a lot of uh, interesting and, and powerful female characters, but there are a lot of, particularly like the youngest female characters tend to fall into the role of like falling for a charismatic man and then sacrificing themselves for him. Yeah. Which does yeah. seem like it, it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think Even it, in the movie again. I think we're getting to the point, where, but I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and not to, not to make apologies for it, but I think the movie specifically, this, the one we watched because it was kind of the conclusion of the arc that's been running through all the three TV series so far was right. intentionally trying to echo some of the same, like the whole like tri- love triangle with Lala and so on was sort yeah. of replicated with Hathaway, Quest, and Gune, the the, yeah. the you mm-hmm. know ace pilot in the news. So, so I think that things like that were intentionally there, right, to, to, to harken you know, back one towards... last time. The later Gundam that I've seen, the one we're watching now, Eighth um, MS Team Gundam Wing. And I, I'm trying to think. I think those are all the ones that I've seen that you haven't seen. There's, I can't remember any instances of that stuff in there. Yeah, it so, seems to evolve as it goes. And I think that the, the stories that are mostly like like really new type heavy yeah. tend to have that yeah. more because it's, I, I mean, one, one could argue that the stories that the women characters, not all of them, but some of them, like they tend to like maybe tap into the new type stuff more. Like they tend to, they're being written as like more empathetic out of the gate mm. they're more in touch with their feelings mm-hmm. and so they tend the reason why they sacrifice themselves is is because of they they have like that you that empathy that new types are supposed to have where they they feel a connection and empathy with all living things yeah. you know what i mean yeah. whereas the men are mostly concerned with like battle and victory and stuff like that so one could if you know if one were inclined one could read it as a more positive portrayal of women in that sense where the men are just concerned with war and violence and the women are the ones actually being self-sacrificing and empathetic yep. but obviously it's still problematic you're right um but just to give like an overall just an overview basically what it is is it's a it's a anime or japanese animation you know we've talked about anime on the on the show before uh franchise which began in 1979 uh created largely by uh yoshiyuki yoshiyuki tomino who oversaw and directed many of the later installments zeta gundam double zeta shars Counterattack, and then some of the other spin-off side stories and alternate universe stories tended to be done without his direct involvement but he's returned to the franchise several times uh, over the years, most recently to direct three compilation movies of Zeta and also do a couple of other spin-offs that take place way in the future of the Universal Century and kind of bring a closure to that whole arc. Um, and it kicked off what's called the the real robot genre in Japan. So before that, you have what was called the super robot genre, which is probably what most people think of when they think of like Japanese giant robot anime, yeah. where the giant robot was basically like a cartoon superhero, usually could transform in some way, had crazy powers and would fight space aliens or giant monsters or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Power Rangers kind yeah, of thing. Like sure. the Power Rangers big Megazord where it would fight the alien monster. Yeah, I mean, that's week. what it was. That's what Power um, Rangers was. Yeah. But here, the, the, the mechs or mobile suits as they're called, are while sometimes designed and colored kind of fancifully, largely to sell toys because the show 
financially was only able to continue because of massive toy sales. And so there is a little, there's, there's a pretty big commercial ang- sure. angle to that whole aspect too. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't say any more so than having some crazy new alien in a Star Wars movie or some cool new f- Starfleet ship yeah, in a I Star mean, Trek yeah. thing. Like it's not, it's yeah, not I mean, like look at the child. most of these and, you know, plushies are just flying off pretty the much every yeah. big media franchise you could name has got a pretty big commercial aspect to it mm-hmm. be it toys or whatever else you want to name um but here the the giant robots and the associate uh, assorted weapons are conceived as being more like more like real world like what would what would military technology be like a few hundred years from now if it took the form of like giant robots that were piloted by an by a single person in fact tomino wanted the gundam and white base and all those other things to have basically like um single color like gunmetal gray yeah designs yeah or like camouflage or something like that so it would be more militaristic but kind of got overruled by people that wanted to be more colorful to appeal to kids and stuff like that more apparently he really hated the white base design like he didn't he didn't oversee the white base design it was like an old toy prototype that was lying around and they said here use this for your big ship he's like i hate that thing no you're using it (laughs) so he didn't even like the design let alone the colors funny um he's a bit of a he's he's a bit of a character um (laughs) Anyway, so it, it, but even from the beginning of the very first episode of the first series, you've got people, you've got people dying yeah. horribly. You've got families being killed. You've got civilians being killed. You've got people being injured. You have the realities of war. And this is in something which, while not, you know, aimed at kids specifically, is, yeah. is probably like, I don't know what the equivalent today would be, like, like, I don't know, like the Marvel movies or something like that. Well, it's not like they're aimed for at six-year-olds or whatever, but they're intended for people of any age to be able to watch them, basically. Yeah. You know, above yeah. the age of, you know, maybe like six or seven or eight or something like that. Yeah. And you have all this horrible death happening. And and it's it's one of the interesting um, tensions in the series. Like, you've got you've got the the aspect of it that's all about... Because it's, it's one of the most vehemently anti-war, like... I mean, you could say Star Wars is against war, even sure. though Wars yeah. is right there in the title. And I, but, and you know, Star Trek is pretty yeah. a pretty pacifistic franchise when you get right down to it. And you know, most superhero stories are you know about the hero trying to avoid violence first and so on. But there, there's that, and then there's like actually showing the horrors of war and the you know people who don't deserve to die dying in pretty much every episode and stuff like that all the time consistently like there's a difference between you know being a show that tries to say oh you should solve your solve your disagreements through diplomacy and then there's actually showing hundreds or millions of people dying every week in horrible Mm -hmm. military actions as a way of really ramming home the realities of war and usually in these shows young it is anime so they tend to revolve around teenagers no matter how implausible it might yeah. be in, in a military situation. But I think, and it kind of gets, I, I would say, like less plausible for, in certain cases. Like usually, there's, sometimes I tend to write it pretty well. Like, oh, we just happened to pick up this group of young kids. Yeah. And it turns out they're really great at this. I think it worked really well in the first series when yeah. there, were, there was a, a ship that was staffed with career soldiers, but they all got killed. And the only thing left were the civilians they brought aboard from this colony. And they yeah, had to man all really of the, They were well. like entirely mm-hmm. recruits. None of them were, you know, they were entirely enlisted. None of them were officers, with the exception of Bright and one or two others. Right, exactly. Um, so, and, and so that's that's the, and then you have that series, and then you know, 
some of the same characters repeat in, in Zeta, which was a series that was a full six years later because the original Mobile Suit Gundam was supposed to be about 50 episodes, but the ratings got worse and worse and worse, and so it was reduced to 39, mm-hmm. but they were able to finagle an extra four episodes to bring it to a total of 43 so they could bring the series to some sort of conclusion, mm-hmm. but obviously the final chunk of it was pretty rushed. But um, the the to- initial toy sales were enough to... Um, to let them get permission to do a, a movie trilogy, which combined, which compiled the first the, those forty three episodes into three movies. With the with you know they removed a lot of the unnecessary things. They changed certain plot points. They introduced certain plot points sooner, and they added a lot of new animation, particularly in the second and third movies, to make things smoother and more you know visually appealing. And those were a big hit, and then the toys continued to take off. So then you got Zeta Gundam in 85, which was a full six years after the original series. And then from that point on, there's basically been a new TV series or movie pretty much every year since then. Um, and so we're gradually working our way through it. And we we're, we we just passed, I would say, like the first phase of the series, which is the three original TV series and then the climax in the Shars Counterattack movie. And now we're in the phase where the series starts, the franchise starts to branch off in a bunch of different directions. So there's a bunch of like straight to video series and movies that take place at various points in between mm-hmm. the original three TV series or concurrently with them. And then the next big thing is the alternate universe stories where pretty much where the majority of Gundam from now till from, you know, wherever we are now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> 89 or 90. Until the present, I would say the majority of Gundam for the rest of the existence of the franchise takes place in different timelines. And so it's interesting because some of them are completely off the wall, almost like martial arts, like crazy martial arts shows with giant robots. Others are sort of like modern retellings, roughly, of the original Universal Century stories, like kind of updated for a new audience. Others are way out there and and completely different and so it goes off in a bunch of different directions but um there's a bunch of exciting projects that are happening right now where they're they're actually going back and doing some stuff now in the original timeline the universal century timeline that i didn't mention this to you until we watched last night's movie because it would have been a spoiler as to whether certain characters live or not but the big release in a couple of months is uh, a new theatrical movie the first of a planned trilogy adapting some novels which have existed for 20 years oh wow that tell the story of a now adult uh hathaway noah oh wow uh, mobile suit gundam hathaway's flash is the name of the 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 novel trilogy and so i think the movie is just called mobile suit gundam hathaway but um, it takes place 12 years after Shars Counterattack, the movie mm-hmm. we watched last night. And so Hathaway is now like 25, 26. Yeah. And he gets embroiled in basically like a terrorist group because the Federation has once again become like not so great. And he's kind of, he's probably psychologically in not such a great place after yeah. some of the stuff that happened in last night's movie. Um, he seems like he didn't, they never really had the best family. Like it's not that his family didn't love him, but he had like yeah. a, an sort of a, had an emotionally and physically father. distant yeah. father. Like Bright's a great guy, but he doesn't seem like necessarily the most emotionally open guy. No. We don't, never really, I don't, have we once seen him around his kids with the exception of last night's movie? No. But you kind of get the sense that he wouldn't necessarily be the most emotionally yeah. available, you know? Kind of like a, he's kind of like a Picard type, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's a surrogate father to his crew, but on an individual basis, he's never really the warmest character. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, Hathaway's got his own stuff going on, but he basically, but I mean, it sounds it sounds like they're casting him as a villain to say he gets involved in the terrorist group, but technically AU 
was a terrorist group, right? Yeah. Throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of of, uh, of Zeta and even double Zeta. So, you know, the lines are pretty gra- uh, blurry when it comes to this stuff. But he gets involved in an anti-Federation group, one could say. And yeah. it goes on from there. So the, for the first movie in this, this trilogy, because it's based on a trilogy of books, is coming out in a couple of months. So this is the first new story set, the first new theatrical story set in the Universal Century in quite a while. And people are excited about that. Um, and then there's a whole... There's all sorts of like branches to the franchise. Yeah. Branchise. Um, <laughs> Very nice. Like there's this whole, um, and that's true, like well, there's Gunpla, which is like when you talk about how the how the um, the toys are basically propping up the franchise financially. It's all about the Gunpla, which is what makes Gundam. What is it like the number nine or something like that? Um, biggest money-making franchise in the history of the world like when you put all like it's the only things above it are like marvel star wars pokemon hello kitty is up there for some reason and then gundam like it's right up there with these other big it's like the fact that it's relatively unknown here it's as big in japan and in a lot of other parts of the world as say star wars is here or marvel like it's on that level yeah um but gunpla is, is a portmanteau of gundam plastic models um, and they're basically that. They're like plastic models that you snip the little pieces out and you click them together yep. and some of them come pre-painted, some of them you can paint yourself, all sorts of different l- levels of sophistication and customization. But these things are huge. They sell millions and millions of them and they make a ton of money and they're basically what supports the franchise financially. Not to say that the, the animation doesn't make money. It does, but it's like anything, like a big budget movie yeah. you know, can make its money back, but it's like Star Wars. You mm-hmm. know, Star Wars yep. was a huge hit in the movie theaters, but... It's, it was the toy sales that really made everybody sit up and say, okay, we got to make a Merchandising where the real money from thing. the movie is made. Um, yes. So, but there's this whole side branch of the franchise that focuses on kids in like ostensibly the real world, but kind of like, a, I guess, like a parallel present where technology is a little different in the entire world. It's kind of like how if you watch, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! or one yeah. of those shows, yeah. like literally every person in the world knows about and, and plays and is obsessed with whatever card game, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you, like everybody, like everybody's got a deck, everybody's got the little thing that lets you play, every, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. So literally everybody in the world of these other series is all about gunpla, and they have these things where you, like, you enter a virtual reality world to fight with your gunpla mm-hmm. against other. So it's the chance to, you know, that's would seem like perhaps the most crash, crassly commercial aspect of the franchise, because it's literally, you could read it as literally like 25-minute, advertisements for the models right Right. which are themselves a cash in from the existing animation but it's become this whole branch of the franchise where like there's multiple tv series that follow these characters as they compete in it's like anything it's like it's like a series you could say it's like the same you know Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever where it's all about or pokemon Mm -hmm. where they're about competing with pokemon or competing with cards this is about competing with you know, right. mobile suits, basically. Yeah. And it's, so it's about the kids and their travails and, you know, learning to work together as friends. And there's multiple TV series, and these have become just as popular, if not more popular in some instances, mm-hmm. as the mainline franchise. Yeah. Um, and there's SD Gundam, which is multiple TV series and OVAs and movies about these little super deformed Gundams where the, the, the mobile suits themselves are the characters. Like, there's no pilots. It's like a little squishy Gundam, a little squishy Zeta Gundam it's that, like, have funny. their own personalities. Oh, my God. And there's so many different animated versions there's like sd gundam in feudal japan sd gundam as cowboys like there's each of these is like their own tv series like each of those concepts so that's like the third main branch of the franchise anyway it's a huge thing a lot of the sd gundam stuff isn't available in the west um a lot of the gunpla based stuff gundam build fighters gundam build fighters try gundam build 
Fighters Re-Rise is another one, I think. I don't know. Some of these names are are hard to retain because they're just like <laughs> nonsense nouns one after the other. Um, but a lot of those are available in the, in the West. And so I think when we get when we get to those, we're watching everything basically in the order it came out. But when we get to those, I think it'll be fun to to watch some of those because they're, they're intended for a younger audience. But it's also a lot of fun fan service because if you've, if you've seen all the stuff up to then, yeah. the mobile suits they're using, mm-hmm. like you get to see some of the classic like the Zeta Gundam or the original Gundam, like in modern animation, right. fighting each other yeah. or whatever. And, you know, there's a certain level of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, fan service in that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. apart from like being invested in the characters and what. So it'd be, it'd be like a little fun diversion. Maybe we'll like watch one of those, like, you know, at the same time as we're watching one of the main things or something, just so we're not, you know, just so we don't get, yeah. you know, diabetes from the, like the sugary sweetness of the, the Gundam <laughs> build. Um series just watching nothing but that you know two episodes a night or whatever yeah. but yeah but but uh, i'm enjoying it so far i've seen i'd seen some of it before i'd seen just the original three compilation movies because zeta and double zeta weren't available in the west when i oh, started wow. when i started watching this it was when so gundam wing in 95 96 it came out in 95 in japan i'm not sure when it aired probably 96 97 was what made it kind of like how final fantasy 7 even though final oh, fantasy had been around global, forever yeah. final fantasy 7 was what made it really big in the west gundam wing when it aired on cartoon network's anime block which was called toonami um was what really made gundam big in the west and yeah. that seemed and that was like the new hot thing at the time but that was 25 years ago at this yeah, point yeah um but at that point the only Gundam you could get in the West was the original movies and some of the side stories like Stardust Memory that we're watching now and stuff like that. And then, you know, Gundam Wing and a couple of other things. But it's not like now where every series and movie, with the exception of some of the really side stuff like the SD Gundam stuff, um, is available on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And you can get the entire series on two Blu-rays for like a total of 50 bucks or whatever. Whereas back then you'd have to buy the stuff on like... VHS tapes or when Gundam Wing came out DVDs anime on DVDs was just becoming a thing but you'd only get four or five episodes per $30 DVD yep. for a 50 episode series whereas now you spend that same amount of money and you get 25 episodes in high definition on a Blu-ray yep. you know or two Blu-rays mm-hmm. um, so that was when I started watching it and so I hadn't seen any so I'd seen I watched Gundam Wing as it was coming out on DVD um, I'd seen the original three movies or I went back and watched them later Gundam Wing, Gundam Wing was the first one that I watched um and then I'd, I saw some of the other side stories, but I hadn't seen Zeta or Double Zeta. I saw Shars Counterattack later, but without seeing Zeta or Double Zeta, yeah. it's, it's, you can follow it, but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really land as like the climax of anything. Right. You know, it just seems like, oh, they had this, there was a war 15 years ago and now they're fighting again, I guess. Like, you yeah. know, you miss all the stuff in between. Like, you have no idea who the Titans are yeah. or Haman Karn or who Hathaway is yeah. or, you know, any of that stuff or any of the stuff that went on in between. So it, it kind of loses something, but... Yeah, so I'm enjoying going going through it, and Me so too. we're at the point now where we're watching a lot of shorter things. So we'll, you know, a, a 13 episode OVA or a six episode or an individual movie, and so it'll be a few weeks before we get into a, another longer series. Um, and I think the next longer series we're watching, I think it's I think it's uh, V Gundam, which is Universal Century, but way later. Okay. Like it's like Star Trek: The Next Generation levels of later. Oh, okay. So like no, basically no carryover. No overlap. Over. Okay. So we're sort of done with the so like. You could say that the, the, the stuff we've watched so far is like so kind of like the Xeon arc, I guess you could okay. say. And so anything like after that is usually like there's new threats, mm-hmm. basically. And they never really get to the points where like aliens invade. Like there's never really any right. aliens in Gundam. But there's so all the threats come from, you know, within humanity. different factions yeah. of humanity. But it's different 
different motivations and different. But I mean, I imagine, and not having seen a lot of the later stuff, I imagine the tension between the colonists and the Earth people is going to be one of the continuing, yeah, you know, points of conflict throughout the series. But the exact grievances and nature of the factions and who's mm-hmm. right and who's wrong. Because in Gundam Wing, um, the colonists are the heroes. And the Earth is, I, I mean, you know, the stuff we've watched so far, sometimes the Earth people are in the right, sometimes they're in the wrong. But, the col- you know, Zeon are the colonists and they're generally the bad guys. Yeah. Whereas in Gundam Wing, the colonists are so oppressed that the Gundams and their pilots are, you know, like these rebel heroes fighting against. The underdogs, the so yeah. that was the way, I, you know, the first, my the introduction to it was what the colonists were. Right. The good guys and the Earth was the bad guys. So I can, you know, they can do different things. Um, yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. So far, like I said, I'd seen some of it before, but a lot of this, a lot of it is, is new to me too. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of it. And so, we're, you know, we're using it to sort of fill some of the time when there's no new comics and not very many new shows. But, yep. you know, we'll check in. We'll check in periodically and talk about uh, what we think about the current ones that we're watching. Yep. And there's a link in the show notes to the wiki in case people want to read up on the, the franchise. Yep. So the only other shows we watched this week were Harley Quinn and Clone Wars. Yep. Harley Quinn was called Riddle You. Yeah. This is a really fun one where they pretend to be uh, co-eds to yeah, sneak into Riddler's students. university and take him out. Yep. And, and they... The they, only place in the entirety of Gotham that has power right. and uh, water, clean and water. They very sneakily work a, uh, a Batgirl origin into this. Yeah. How do, you, how do you feel about Batgirl? She's not inspired by Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy because she literally has like Batman posters all over yeah. her wall. But how do you feel about her origin? And not not that this show is very sacrosanct about anything really. No. But how do you feel it's about a little more in your face. her like, impetus for becoming a hero kind of being inspired by Harley Quinn of all people, which is yeah. like a complete backwards yeah. you know, way of telling that story. She, she gave her the final nudge, as it were. Um, I like it very much. But honestly, it was the last... I think her interaction with this primed the pump, but honestly, the the thing that fueled her to um, make a costume and everything was her dad, wasn't it? Like, we need the Batman. Um, and that conversation was what made her think, okay, you know what? There needs to be a bat in yeah. Gotham. Well, that's, that's usually the impetus that's yeah. in most of her origins. I mean, I know. remember in the animated series when it was all about making a, a public appearance at a rally yeah. supporting her father and Batman wouldn't show. Right. So she dressed up in like an ad hoc Batman costume yeah. and sort of... And swung in. by, yeah. and then she got embroiled in the whole thing. So right, and that was that was excellent um, in that show. But I like the portrayal of the character in this show because she uh, goes out to do a little vigilante heroism on her own and is just completely ineffectual and bumbling well, the she's whole got the, way. She's got the base. She's got like the her. base skill set, like the yeah, physical yeah. coordination and fitness and so on, and obviously the intellect and mm-hmm. the and the you know the attitude and the heart and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but. She doesn't have like you don't just naturally you aren't just naturally good with good, yeah. firearms or throwing bat shaped boomerangs at things. And or I just love that the show arts. highlighted it and had a lot of fun with it because that's exactly yeah. it's just right. I hope on the we money. see. It's I so hope funny. we see more of her. I didn't even know she was going to be showing up. Normally, this is the kind of thing that would be they would be yeah, in the trailers saw, or yeah. they would announce the casting of the character or whatever. And instead, it's just, oh, is that going to be Barbara Gordon? And it turned out to be. So it was yeah. a fun little surprise. And then Clone Wars. Oh, and it turned out to be um, Katie Cuoco's sister. What I assume is her sister. They have Brianna the same last Cuoco, name. yeah. I mean. I don't know. I guess. Uh, no. She's not, could be a cousin, to, I guess. Is she I old know. enough to have like a 15, 16 year old daughter who could be acting? No. I don't know. I don't know how Katie old she Cuoco is. Katie Cuoco is around our age. I mean, I don't think. I mean, she, she people could, our age could as old true. as it makes us sound. People our age could, could have, have a fifteen-year-old daughter. That's but I agree, younger true, younger yeah. sister is probably more likely. Yeah. Um, so Clone Wars. This one was called Together Again. This is the conclusion of the Ahsoka's walkabout arc. Mm-hmm. 
um, kind of wraps up in the same way that in the way that we expected, where everybody learns, you know, yeah. a valuable lesson about themselves and the Jedi and so on. And then uh, um, Bo-Katan comes in at the end to recruit her to go off to Mandalore and fight against Maul. So this is what everybody's yeah everybody's waiting for the final four episodes. It's, yeah, is for we're kind of like a slow burn of uh, just sort of ramping up towards that, but. But yeah, no, these were good. I think, I mean, the animation was good. The acting was good. The story yeah. was, I mean, it was kind of simplistic and it kind of resolved the way everybody would expect. It's not like, oh, one of the sisters died unexpectedly or, right. or, or, or they decide, or they decide they never want to talk to Ahsoka again because she had to do something which, well, for the greater good, right. you know, burned them in some way. No, everybody kind of gets to come out of this with their hands clean and having yeah. learned a valuable lesson. But, but I think the real stuff is going to go down in the, the final four episodes. Not that we're going to be surprised by any major deaths or anything, I don't right. feel like, because we kind of know that everybody survives. Ahsoka is in Rebels, right? Yeah. yeah. Maul is in Rebels. Yeah. Bo-Katan was in Rebels. Yeah. We know Obi-Wan's not going to die. We know Anakin's not going to die. Yep. Um, interestingly, the blurb for the next episode says, Anakin and Obi-Wan must decide whether to aid Ahsoka on Mandalore or rescue the Supreme Chancellor. And if you remember the way... Episode three started. Palpatine had obviously staged, uh, but he had been quote unquote kidnapped, kidnapped yeah. by Grievous and Dooku and Obi Wan. And there was this big space battle above Coruscant where Obi Wan and Anakin had to in- infiltrate their ship and rescue oh, him. Yeah. So I think what's happening, and this has been sort of people have been speculating about this, but I think literally this last arc will take place, if not like the same day as Episode three begins then perhaps in places concurrently with it so we might even see so people are speculating we might even see like order six the order 66 switch is flipped and what does does what does rex do like does rex turn on ahsoka does rex turn Mm -hmm. on anakin like Mm -hmm. we might actually see that depending on how much of this takes place i mean anakin obi-wan's whereabouts are basically spoken for throughout all of episode three because they're literally the stars of the movie yeah but we have no idea where rex was for most of that time or ahsoka or maul so You know, who knows? Maybe will the clones turn on Ahsoka and she'll have to go into hiding and she stays there until, it's you know, over, she kind of yeah. starts working with the nascent rebellion as as rebels, you know, in the years before rebels. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then Cause she was know. fulcrum for a while, wasn't she? Yeah. So she was yeah. exactly she was. And there's been novels and stuff that tell a bit of her story in between Clone mm-hmm. Wars and Rebels. But yeah, basically she went off and, and, you know, sort of did her own thing for a while, got involved in some other stuff and then became one of the major players in the early days of the rebellion. Yeah. She was one of the people that used the fulcrum identity as sort of an informant mm-hmm. um, before, yeah. I guess, bef- after? No, before Cassian Andor? Or would it have been before or after? No, Rogue One was... Rogue One was... Yeah, well, Cassian used it, and then what's, what's the name used it, right? Sideburns Man, Mutton Chops? Yeah, I remember Sideburns Man, <laughs> Mutton Chops. Oh... Sideburn I wanted to chops. say Keith. I'm Sideburn. like, so, no, that Keith. doesn't make any sense. Good old Keith. <laughs> no, it did start with a K or something um, like that, though. It'll come to me in a second. Callus, Agent Callus. Hey, I'm right. Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. So I the timeline the of all that right. timeline of all that is a little <laughs> confusing, but yeah. So, but she was an, an early player in the rebellion, and that's how the rebels crew met her at the end of season one. Is she yeah. was, you know, she was helping out, and that's when they sort of joined the larger rebellion. As she kind of came in and saved them a little bit. So yeah, yeah. We, we know that nobody big is really going to die, but. You know, yeah. some big stuff could happen to because next we see Maul after this is in Rebels, where he's been hiding out on Malachor for a long time, presumably. Yeah. But well, no, after this, no, after this, the next time we see him would be in Solo, right? Who? 
Chron- oh, yeah. Chronologically? Yes, correct. So he mm-hmm. maintains his, his he stranglehold on yeah. some of the criminal element of the galaxy. Yeah, Crimson Dawn. Crimson yeah. Dawn mm-hmm. after this. But, I, I, you know, he's going to lose his place on Malachor. On Malachor. Mandalore. I was about to say. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, so I, I mean, the trailers are all teasing this epic lightsaber fight between Ahsoka and and Maul. So that's going to be something to see. Ooh, yeah, yeah you're right. I forgot about so that. So we one. get to see Ooh. that in a few days, part one of four. Squee. Yeah. That's it. Man, can I just tell you how um, much I love um, Sam Witwer's voice? Maul. Yeah, he's really yeah, good at that. He's so good. It's just really just down to the. He takes his time with it too. It's really really good. I it's love kind it. of unfair that he's also a great voice actor. I you know. Because <laughs> he's like he's like this hunky guy, and he's like he he, he's great in live action yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Even roles that like we've talked about this before, but even roles that were like really underwritten and not doing yeah. any favors, like Davis Bloom slash Doomsday on Smallville for that one season. He kind of he made that work as well as anybody could have. Like he was he actually made that role like sympathetic. Yeah. And kind of compelling to watch, and it was all him. Like he wasn't getting really any help from this like okay from the writers <laughs> you're, you're gonna be like this hunky paramedic but you're also gonna turn to this giant rock monster and it'll be revealed that you're actually like a, a, a secret kryptonian science experiment and you'll like you'll have this whole like um a kind of like a king kong thing where you like you like carry chloe off from her wedding yeah and like take her off to be your bride, and it's like, how do you? I don't know how you play how you play any of that. But he yeah, but he went. He pushed his chips into the center of the table and rolled his sleeves up and got to work. Yeah, I mean, he's great. I really like him in everything. And he was I've really good in that season of Supergirl too. Like it was, he was he was yeah. He mm-hmm. actually made some of those like some of those episodes were difficult for me to watch because yeah. he was good enough in that role that like oh man, this is too. I wanted to punch too him close in the face. to life. Yeah. Like, this is too <laughs> close to the kind of people yes, we have to yes. see in the, in the everyday world. Yeah, he he really did a good job there. Oh, and he's apparently a really good DM too. I so, know. He's a triple threat. <laughs> yeah, he's a good. He guy. He could probably sing too. Don't you seem like does he I seem bet. the kind of guy I that bet. can sing? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> I'd like to hear that too. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. He's anyway. a good guy. We're fans. Yeah. Is that it? That's it. Oh my goodness. Short show. Um. So yes, if you want to reach out, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. Um. You know what? I don't either. How- Hashi. Nice. Nice. <laughs>